Welcome to Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here's your host, D.C. Lundberg. <sighs> well, so much for the Friday episode. Anyways, gang, I am D.C. Lundberg, I think, <laughs> and I will be hosting today's episode of Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please remember to download, rate, and subscribe to this program using whichever podcasting app that you personally care to use. Ask your smart device to play Locked On Mariners podcast or any program here on the Locked On Network. I do apologize for not getting an episode published on Friday. I feel like I'm beginning each and every episode now with an apology. This is no way to do a show. I realize that, gang. I'm doing the best that I can. It's not good enough. I know that. Because of the delay, however, there are now three games to recap. This spring training has had an unusual number of tie ball games. The three games we'll be talking about today all ended in deadlocks, and these three ties followed yet another tie ball game that occurred on Wednesday. We'll begin uh, with uh, Tuesday, pardon me, Thursday's game against the Colorado Rockies. Not only was this a tie, but there were several innings in which the team on offense scored several runs. One problem the M's pitching staff had last year was the proclivity for giving up the big inning, which in many cases ultimately cost them the game. However, the Mariners got the scoring underway with a big inning of their own in the bottom of the third. And gang, it was bombs away. The first two men make out, but Braden Bishop then doubled, then J.P. Crawford drew a four-pitch walk. That brought up Maniger, Mitch Haniger, and he parked a home run over the left field wall to take an early 3 to nothing lead. They were not done yet, however. The next man up was Kyle Seeger, who also launched a home run to his pole field. But wait, there's more. Ty France, who was acquired at the deadline last year as part of the Austin Nola trade, followed Seeger's solo home run with a solo blast of his own, giving the Mariners back-to-back-to-back home runs and a 5-0 lead. The Rockies would get one back in the fourth, with Elias Diaz scoring on a single hit by Brendan Rodgers. But the M's would get it right back in the bottom frame, with a Sam Travis RBI single, which plated Taylor Trammell. The Rockies then went off in the top of the fifth against Rule 5 draft pick Will Vest. With no one out and two on, Alan Trejo hit a ground ball single up the middle to score both runners aboard Ryan Valade, or... V-I-L-A-D-E, I don't know how to pronounce that, and Jonathan Daza. Trejo later scored on a ground ball single hit by Sam Hilliard. The Rocks were back in the ball game, but the Mariners still had a lead at 6-5. That lead would be erased in the sixth inning on one swing of the bat from Brendan Rodgers, however, who would smack a home run to right center to tie up the ball game at 6-all. And Colorado would take the lead in the top of the eighth when Winton Bernard doubled home Brian Severn. 7-6 Rockies at this point. However, in the bottom of that very same eighth inning, the Mariners would take the lead right back. Jose Godoy would score Jack Reinheimer on a double to tie the ball game back up at seven. Then he would score on a Jose Marmalejos single to give the Mariners the lead back. Marmalejos then scored on a Dylan Thomas single, and the score was 9-7 after eight. The Rockies tied things back up, though, in the bottom of the ninth, with Casey Golden hitting a two-run home run to erase the deficit. No bottom of the ninth was played, so the game ended tied all at nine. 
The Mariners got 11 hits, which considering they scored 9 runs is not a huge number. But they walked 5 times, and that's very good to see. The 11 hits were collected by 10 different players. Dylan Thomas got 2 hits, and 10 others got a hit apiece. They did strike out 9 times. Justice Sheffield started the game for the Mariners and did very well in his 2 innings of work. He struck out 1 and allowed 2 hits. Pitching an inning apiece in relief were Kendall Graveman, Keenan Middleton, Will Vest, who gave up the big 5th inning, Anthony Masevich, Casey Sadler, Bradley Lale, and Paul Sewell. Of the four runs that Vest allowed, three of them were earned. Jose Rodriguez committed an error in that inning, but it was the only error of the game, and the Mariners would flash some impressive defense the next day against the White Sox. We'll talk about that in B-Block. This was an important game for Justice Sheffield. Not because it was his first start of the spring, uh, obviously important for that reason, and not for any reason related to his preparation for the season, or for any reason related to the Seattle Mariners, really. But this was the first time Justice Sheffield and his brother Jordan pitched in the same game. After his two innings of work, Justice stayed in the Mariners' dugout because he knew Jordan was scheduled to pitch for the Rockies, and he handled the fourth inning for Colorado, in which he gave up that Sam Travis RBI single. Justice Sheffield said of pitching with his brother, quote, That was awesome. Honestly, just truly blessed to be able to share the field with him. I'm super excited for him with what he has going over there with the Rockies, end quote. Jordan Sheffield is a 5'10", 190-pound, 25-year-old right-hander who was a uh, first-round draft pick out of Vanderbilt by the Los Angeles Dodgers in 2016. As there was no minor league season last year, the most recent numbers I have are 2019, where he pitched 49 games between the advanced A and double A levels in the Dodgers chain. I honestly have no idea where the Rockies are planning on assigning him. For his sake, I hope he pitches well enough to be assigned to double-A and he can progress in his career. But if the Rockies assign him to advanced A, that means he will be a Spokane Indian, and I would get to watch him pitch. And those of you in the Seattle area would, would be able to do so as well when the Indians play the Aqua Sox in Everett. Remember, they're in the same league. That'll bring us to the trivia corner, and today we'll do a Sheffield family trivia question. Both Justice and Jordan Sheffield were first-round draft choices. Which one was drafted higher? I'll tell you the answer after I tell you about Built Bar, the greatest protein bars in the history of greatest things. Each one is covered in 100% real chocolate, each one is gluten-free, each one is low in sugar, calories, and carbohydrates, and each one tastes terrific. They come in 18 delicious flavors, and at BuiltBar.com you can compile a box of the flavors that you would most like to try or your already established favorites. Don't forget about Built Boost drink powder or Built Go energy shots, all at BuiltBar.com. And if you use promo code Locked On at checkout, you'll get 20% off your order. BuiltBar.com, promo code Locked On for 20% off of your order. Built Bar, taste the rainbow. The answer to the trivia question Justice and Jordan Sheffield were both first round draft choices. Justice out of high school and Jordan out of college. Jordan was drafted number 36 overall, while Justice was drafted number 31. So they're very near each other where they were in the draft order, but but Justice has his older brother beat by just a few slots. Coming up, the Mariners did something on Friday that has not been done in a regular season game since 1955. What was it? 
Spoiler alert, it rhymes with Schmunassisted Schmripple Schmlay. Now back to Locked On Mariners and your host, D.C. Lundberg. Thank you again, Joey. We are doing our level best to get you everything you need to know about the M's here on this show. But what about the rest of sports? The only other sports I talk about are bowling and curling. But the Locked On Podcast Network now has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by Peter Bukowski, and it's got all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts. There are two more games to discuss uh, today on Locked on Mariners. Neither of them were high-scoring affairs like the previous game we spoke about Thursday's game. And in fact, the M's and their opponents combined for six runs over the course of the two games we're going to speak about. Friday, March 5th, saw the Mariners play the Chicago White Sox in Camelback Ranch in Glendale, which is about 450 miles outside Albuquerque, New Mexico. The Mariners got the scoring underway very quickly in the top of the first inning, with Ty France driving home Kyle Lewis on a single. The White Sox answered right back in the bottom of the second, however, with an RBI single from Andrew Vaughn to tie the game up. Later on that inning, Yoan Moncada would score on a throwing error by catcher Cal Raleigh. Danny Mendick struck out, and uh, Vaughn stole second base, at which that was the throwing error by Raleigh, and Moncada came in to score on that play. Raleigh would atone for his miscue, however, in the very next half inning, the top of the third with an RBI single, which scored Kyle Lewis to tie the ballgame back up at two. The Mariners would get into a jam in the fifth, loading the bases with White Sox with nobody out. On top of that, at the dish was Jose Abreu, perennial MVP candidate and one of the better RBI men in baseball. He hit a chopper to third baseman Donovan Walton, who quickly threw home to force out the runner who had been occupying third. Catcher Cal Raleigh threw to first base to get Abreu. The fleet-footed Tim Anderson, who was on second, tried to score on this play. The throw off home from first baseman Jansen Witte back to Raleigh was good. Anderson slid wide to try to avoid the tag, but Raleigh was able to get him, completing the triple play. A 5-2-3-2 triple play, no less. Something that had not been done in a Major League Baseball game since 1955 at least during the regular season. This game ended after seven innings with a 2-2 tie. Mariners pitching only allowed five hits, but they also walked five. Not very good. Chris Flexen started, and in his two innings of work, he gave up two hits, uh, allowed both White Sox runs, although only one of them was earned, walked one and struck out three. Joey Gerber, Rowenis Elias, Domingo Tapia, Matt McGill, and Eric Swanson each followed with a scoreless inning apiece. McGill alone walked three batters, and Elias struck out two. Mariners hitting collected ten hits and walked four times, so they had runners on base yet only scored two runs. They left 11 runners on base, but only struck out six times. Each team committed one fielding error. Getting back to that triple play, the third baseman who got to the ball and quickly threw home was the man I like to call Sunshine Superman, Donovan Walton. His defense at both second base and shortstop has always been very highly regarded. But I didn't think that third base was in his repertoire, actually, so I looked at his minor league numbers to see how many games he's played professionally as a third baseman. And the answer? Zero. 
Aside from training camps, which I cannot account for, Donovan Walton has never played a professional game at third base, which makes this triple play even that that much more impressive. And he's only played one inning at first base. That came back in 2017 with the advanced A Modesto nuts, and the ball never came his way. The man is a natural fielder, and learning to play third base will make him just that much more valuable off the bench as a utility infielder. He's never going to hit very much, but he's incredibly valuable defensively, and learning this new position will just make him that much more valuable. The catcher who recorded two putouts on this play, Cal Raleigh, he earlier allowed an unearned run to score on a throwing error. We mentioned that earlier. Not only was he a part of this great triple play, but he also drove in the run, which tied the ball game back up at two. So he more than atoned for that previous error. The Mariners are happy with his power potential, and they also like the way he handles a pitching staff, something that really can't be quantified in numbers or statistics. If you have a question or a comment, please send an email to LockedOnMariners at gmail.com. I'll address it on the air in a future mailbag episode. I have a couple of emails from January and I think even one from December that I still need to get to. So I, I do plan on doing a mailbag episode sometime next week. Get those questions and comments in so you can be in there for that. Questions and comments on any subject are not only welcome, they are encouraged, gang. The more off-topic, the better. Well, to a point, I suppose. Also, keep your emails appropriate, please, since this is a family show. Coming up, a very sleepy podcast host fails to write an interesting tease for the upcoming segment, which recaps Saturday's spring training game against the Oakland A's. But first, this vital word of importance from betonline.ag. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, gang, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing, and baseball on the horizon as well, the regular season. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to play your, place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Promo code locked on. Now back to Locked On Mariners. Here once again is your host, D.C. Lundberg. Yes, indeed. I am back. Well, sort of. I'm not sure I was ever really here. Uh, (laughs) Anyways, uh, attention fantasy baseball addicts. You now have a new resource to help you uh, to help give you an advantage in your leagues. And that is none other than Locked On Fantasy Baseball. It's a daily fantasy baseball podcast hosted by veteran fantasy analyst Scott Cullen. I don't think he's related to Bill Cullen. Uh, He uses data and nearly two decades of fantasy baseball experience to offer the strategies and waiver wire pickups that will lead to league wins. Season-long fantasy, Dynasty Leagues, DFS, Locked on Fantasy Baseball covers it all, gang. Subscribe to Locked on Fantasy Baseball today wherever you get your podcasts. There is one more game to recap uh, before we're all caught up on the Cactus League action, at least for the Mariners. And that game took place uh, Saturday, March 6th at the Peoria Sports Complex, oddly enough in Peoria. This was another low-scoring affair. In fact, the two teams combined for only five hits. 
Two rotation arms got in some work for the Mariners. Justin Dunn started the game, and it was something of a mixed bag for him. He walked two in his two innings of work, only gave up one hit, and struck out two. That's pretty typical of what he ordinarily does. He walks a lot of hitters, but also strikes out a fair amount. In his big league career, which spans 14 games over two seasons, his strikeout-to-walk ratio is 1.08. 7.4 strikeouts per nine, but also a lofty 6.9 walks per nine. That is, that is way, way too high. In last year's abbreviated season, he pitched 10 games, and his uh, walks-per-nine innings ratio was 6.1 which is certainly better than 6.9, but holy Toledo, that's a huge number. He also gave up a ton of long balls, 10 of them in 45 and two-thirds innings. That is a home runs per nine ratio of two. Two home runs per per nine innings. That will not get the job done. However, he gave up 6.1 hits per nine innings last year. That's on the low side. And his whip in 2020 was a relatively average 1.358. It's a little above average, but it's not. that's not real alarming. I will be interested to see what kind of numbers he'll put up in a full season, but I'm honestly not optimistic. Way too many walks, way too many home runs. If he can get those numbers under control, then he's got a good future. But if he doesn't, then I'm, I'm not so sure. The other starter who got in some work on Saturday pitched innings three and four for the M's, and that would be none other than Nick Margevichis. He struck out one and also walked one while while not allowing any hits. Uh, Gerson Bautista, Jaime Schultz, and Taylor Gieri all subsequently pitched an inning apiece, with Schultz giving up the lone run, which was a Tony Kemp solo home run in the sixth. The Mariners' lone run was scored in the fifth inning by Taylor Trammell, who scored on a Luis Torrens sacrifice fly. As I stated earlier, the A's and Mariners combined for only five hits. The Mariners had three of them. A second-inning double by Dylan Moore, a fifth-inning double by Taylor Trammell, which led to the sack fly, and a seventh-inning single by Jordan Cowan. The Mariners drew two walks, one apiece by J.P. Crawford and Mitch Hanniger. They struck out seven times as a team. Mariners pitching overall walked three batters, two by Dunn and one by Margevich. So the bullpen, no runs, uh, pardon me, no walks given up. They struck out four as a team. The Mariners' next game is Sunday versus the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, California, Pacific Time Zone, North America, Earth. We've talked about this before, but the difference between Los Angeles and Anaheim is akin to the difference between Everett and Seattle. L.A. and Anaheim are not even in the same county. Neither are Everett and Seattle, for those of you outside the Puget Sound region. For those of you in my neck of the woods, a similar comparison would be the distance between Spokane and Post Falls, although it takes a lot less time to drive between Spokane and Post Falls than it does L.A. and Anaheim. One of the benefits of living over here, you can actually drive at speed on I-90, unless there's some sort of accident like there was yesterday. Anyways, I'm digressing. Jared Kalnick, uh, gang, is going to be sidelined, quote, for the immediate future, end quote, according to an article uh penned by Daniel Kramer on MLB.com. He's got a left adductor strain. He incurred this injury after his first plate appearance in Friday's game, but he stayed in the game and was replaced according to the previously scheduled schedule. After Saturday's game, skipper Scott Service said that Kelnick is, quote, going to be out for a little while, end quote. According to the article, Kelnick will likely be sidelined for, quote, a matter of weeks and not days, end quote. 
that's a shame, gang, because he's gotten off to a very good start in spring camp and was making a case to break camp at, with the opening day roster. I don't know if that's still possible, but that sh- this injury sure makes that chance a lot slimmer. However, if he recovers well and begins his minor league season strongly, if he is indeed assigned to the minors, of course, then I would not be surprised at all to see him in the big leagues at some point in 2021. Let's hope for, for a full recovery, no matter how long it takes. That's going to wrap this one up. I can I cannot honestly say when the next episode will be. It may very well it may very well be the crossover with Locked On Rangers on Wednesday. I sure hope I'm able to get something published before that. I cannot promise. And I'll apologize once again for not being able to produce the show in a timely manner. However, on our next episode, I will be joined by Herb Tarlick, Woodsy Owl, and a roll of Scotch tape. You can download, rate, and subscribe to this show so you never miss an episode. Look for us on any podcasting app that you can think of. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Please bear with us, and I hope you'll be back for the next one. Have a great weekend. This is Joey Martin speaking for Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.